Hello and welcome to Season 3 of Mouthwash, fresh chat that leaves you feeling confident. The theme for Season 3 is better. Better everything, from AI to being fairer, big ideas to body language, if it's important to being a fairer person, business or planet, an expert and I talked about it. What follows is an edited recording, as Mouthwash is a live show created just for Twitter spaces, so the quality is more conference call than podcast sound booth. Sponsors are really important to me, so please take a moment to visit Ecology. They planted a tree in the TBD forest for every live listener we had. And if you want to offset your carbon footprint, you can do that easily. Just nip to ecology.com forward slash TBD conference and sign up. That's E-C-O-L-O-G-I dot com forward slash TBD conference. Also, I was honoured to partner with and test out Spaces Dashboard, the helpful tool that's making it super easy to find great audio on Twitter. Check them out on Twitter at Spaces Dashboard, all one word, and mount from Mouthwash for a surprise. Mouthwash is the audio show of TBD, the conference that people call TED without the bullshit. It's going hybrid March 31st, 2022. So get your tickets for the in-person event or the global live stream at universe.com forward slash TBD conference. Universe.com forward slash TBD conference. Use the code Mouthwash. You'll even get 25% off every ticket you buy. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. Sign up to the newsletter on my Twitter profile. That's Paul underscore underscore Armstrong. And you'll get informed about all future seasons of Mouthwash. Trust me, you'll want to hear what we have coming up. Finally, as with all good podcasts, please share it on a network you trust. Enjoy the show. All right. Hello and welcome to season three of Mouthwash. Fresh chat that leaves you feeling more confident Monday to Friday with me, your host, Paul Armstrong, creator of TBD Conference. The conference attendees say is like Ted without the BS. It's a strange time around the world. Zoom fatigue to climate change, the great resignation to the metaverse. Uh, A lot seems scary, unfamiliar, and people are rethinking everything from core beliefs to the way they work. A core theme seems to be emerging, though, a desire to improve and make things, including themselves, better. So that's the theme for season three, better. Better everything, from AI to PR, body language to open innovation. I'll be speaking to massive brains and execs from Walmart to Babylon about making you and the world you live in a better place. Season three includes New York Times bestselling authors like Duff McDonald to security experts, speech coaches and Silicon Valley startups who want to reverse your aging process. It's going to be a great season. Make sure you get the SMS reminders so you don't miss a minute of it. Okay, let's get cracking. Um, Tonight's smart cookie, who I'll be speaking to, is none other than PR guru uh, Sarah Evans, CEO and founder of Seven Strategy, based in the amazing city of Las Vegas. Welcome to the show, Sarah. How are you doing? Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing wonderful, and it's a pleasure to be here. Ah, very cool. Very cool. Great. Okay, before I chat more with Sarah, let's talk about where we are uh, and how you can get involved. Twitter Spaces is uh, new to a lot of people, so let's explore it. Uh, on the mobile app, the top bit is called The Nest. That's where you can see the sort of tweets that I've put up at the moment. And that's I or any other speaker in the space can do that. Um, you can put anything you want there. It can be something that's in a tweet, obviously. Uh, you can click through, do quizzes, votes and that sort of stuff, show an image and that. It's a very, very unique feature um, to Twitter that lots of people are trying to cut. Co- um, copy. Uh, Twitter's also recently introduced a slew of monetization features, so you know that they're getting serious about spaces too. If you haven't tried one, do try them. They're open to everyone. If you look at the top right of your screen, you'll see some icons, or they might be in different places depending on what um, version or what phone you've got. Um, you'll see some icons which are like dots, uh, people, heart, and that sort of thing. The dots are where all the settings are, so you can turn on captions and other accessibility features should you need them. 
Right, let's share out the space. So if you could do me a solid and look at the beautiful nest, I'm going to put up a tweet that uh, you can all click on and just retweet if you would do so. Um, it's not just very kind and polite to do that. It's actually very good for the planet because um, the beautiful people over at Ecology are planting a tree for every live listener that we get uh, via Twitter Spaces for mouthwash. So uh, very, very cool indeed. TBD's planted over 10,000 trees to date, um, so it's really your subscription for the planet. Um, if you want to sign up for Ecology, you can do that. Just nip over to ecology.com forward slash TBD conference. You'll get a personal profile. You can track your impacts, set low carbon goals. You can watch your forest grow. It's a really, really uh, good thing, and they're on track to reduce half the world's emissions by 2040 through collective action. So again, great sort of stuff to do. Um, we're also proudly sponsored by the Spaces Dashboard. Um, that's a very cool thing um, that Andrew has been doing, and the company uh, is really helping good audio be found. Um, the idea is essentially um, to find the latest upcoming and past conversations on Twitter Spaces. If you want to try it out for yourself, it's a free tool at the moment. Just get a little uh, invite, go over to Twitter and uh, search for Spaces Dashboard, all one word, and you'll get yourself an invite too. Okay. Uh, that's all the plugs done. Um, so yeah, so PR uh, is, a very, is a subject very close to my heart for a few reasons. I got my start out in life uh, working for a PR firm out in Los Angeles uh, way back when I was a child. Um, I remember it was a whirlwind of faxing press releases, phoning people, pitching stories. Um, relationship building for many didn't really factor into it at that sort of time. But I sort of set aside, a time, aside time to meet journalists one on one when I had nothing to pitch because I just wanted to find out more. And um, probably apologise sometimes. Um, so I felt it was important to cover uh, because the industry is somewhat in crisis, I think, it seems. Certainly having an identity crisis, it seems, sometimes. Um, let's get into detail and talk about it with today's guest, Sarah Evans, CEO of 7PR. Um, so please shower Sarah in a frankly lavish amount of emojis um, while I give you an accolade of what she's been doing thus far in her career. Um, so keep them going until the end. So make sure you're looking for the heart with the plus button by it. Click it. I'll do an example now. I'll give her 100. Uh, and just keep going. Going until I finish the uh, the intro, if that makes sense. All right, ready, ready, go. Okay, Sarah Evans is an international digital PR strategist consultant whose clients, including Forbes, huge property companies, and stealth startups, touch millions of people around the world daily. No stranger to the limelight herself, Evans is a global brand correspondent for major brands like Walmart and a key keynote speaker where she helps people at all levels understand the complexities of modern day communications. Building Seven Strategy, her own firm, from the ground up, Sarah and the team now secured the press daily for her clients in everything from TechCrunch to Fox and Friends. Sarah is an expert in social media and once raised more than $161,000 in three weeks through social media alone for the crisis centre. With over 100,000 followers on Twitter alone, Sarah understands the power of community and communication. And I'm proud to finally have her on a guest as Mouthwatch. Sarah, how are you doing? I'm doing amazing. It's Friday and I live in Las Vegas and we are happy and healthy. So uh, nothing to complain about here. Can't, can't do better worse than that. What was the first thing you thought of when you woke up this morning? Actually, my birthday is tomorrow and I thought I am getting old. <laughs> That's what I thought of. Love it. You're not old at all. Um, how's the last 24 months been for you? Oh, and happy returns for tomorrow. Oh, thank you. Um, well, everything has changed in our lives in the last 24 months. We completely shut down our offices while we were primarily a virtual um, team and had a virtual client roster. We've 100% 
gone virtual. Um, our team has become even more decentralized. It's actually opened up the hiring field and contracting field for us. I feel like we, we have now a much more diverse international team than we did 24 months ago. I would also say our business has just about tripled in size during that time. More people looking to traditional earned and owned organic PR and uh, strategic comms. So there's been some correlation there. Tomorrow's your birthday, but you're not old. Um, tell us about young Sarah. What was she like? Oh, she was um, always very social, uh, very interested in uh, helping to make the world a better place. And I find I am replicating that with my children. Um, we, we talk a lot about um, local issues, world issues, just how we want to treat others um, and that's carried through I think to adulthood and it's also paramount to how I run Sevens PR and how our team is um, accumulated and acquired we always talk about service humanity and results and I feel like those were probably something instilled in me at a very young age and carried through in just about everything. Cool I want to get into more about your philosophy because I think it's quite interesting in that as well but how did you first get into the PR and comms game? I was actually a comms major in college, and when I graduated, I went to work for the largest healthcare system in Illinois and was inundated quickly being a nonprofit but a very large organization in experience in internal comms, stakeholder communications, media relations, media training, um, government relations. We uh, were a small but mighty team and had to do everything across a, in a, a huge network of hospitals. I very quickly rose up the ranks there in my early 20s, became then a director of communications at a, a college, um, got some agency experience for PR, and then before I turned 30, decided to launch my company and grow this business. So it was a very risky move, but that is how it started and how it's going. Hey, I love risky moves. Uh, I think mm -hmm. life's full of them, isn't it? You have to sort of mm -hmm. take ones. And uh, I think a lot of people are rethinking those now, which is part of the theme for this year, uh, this um, series of uh, mouthwash. Um, before we talk about PR industry as a whole, um, making it better in the future and that thing, tell me that philosophy you were mentioning beforehand um, and the methodology for good communication. Sure. It's something that I don't just think about it every day. I actually live it. Just yesterday, I got an email from someone that said, I'm allergic to tr traditional PR firms. I'm really trying to find someone who gets what we do, who can work with us. Uh, and, and I get why. I've, I've even brought in contractors in the last couple of months, and I see the way they work. And I think there are things that just aren't done right. And it could be that it's years and years of problems. It could be COVID related. But the way that we work at Sevens is not so different from every agency in the world. It's that we're extremely driven, motivated, and set up best practices around what is most important to our clients and us. Um, never will someone feel like they're not being communicated with. Uh, everything that I've learned from mistakes over the years are instilled into our best practices. So yes, we want results. We want to get media placements for our clients, but the ways in which we do it are very intentional. Everything from moving away from the idea of pitching to the sharing of ideas with journalists to forming more um, long-term relationships, doing backgrounder calls and updates, it's not always just us asking something, to taking the time to actually flush out real story ideas with clients. And if they're not media worthy, how can we share and tell um, and build whatever their 
key business objectives are. I mean, everything down from our weekly meeting templates for clients are always driven around key and core business objectives along with the KPIs that we have to reach for clients. So there's always measurement-based, humanity-centered communication happening. Oh, excellent. You've touched on a lot of things there that I'm going to pick up throughout the, the chat today. Um, but it leads nicely on to talking more broadly. Um, PR, one facet of com communications, as we know, um, often falling in with media relations or getting confused with media relations, employee relations. Um, there's a ton of other elements from events to competitive deep positioning, guerrilla tactics, damage control, well, the list goes on for PR. Um, PR can sort of see a company through a crisis or help build it, I think. I think that's fair to say, and a lot more. Um, but many don't give it the respect it deserves. Why do you think that still is in 2021? I think part of it is what you said, that people pigeonhole it either into a certain thing. Um, it's also been traditionally a really hard um, key business internal department that's hard to measure um, and it could be at times that it's perceived the softer side of things it's not like marketing where you can always track direct hits back to your website or purchases um, so we've had to be really vigilant and intentional about how we track what we do and it's still evolving i'm in a private slack group of some amazing pr pros and we talk weekly about measurement. It's that important. Um, I also think a lot of people have just done it wrong and make us all look bad. And that can be true for any industry. Think about people who have blind carbon copied a million journalists at once, um, aren't intentional with their outreach, um, who promise things and can't deliver. I mean, I, I have stories daily of the outreach that comes my way. I had someone reach out yesterday and say, what's your charge for placing me in tier one and tier two publications? And I don't ignore those messages. I usually reply with something very intentional back that talks about how we do PR, what our philosophy is, at what stage we work with companies. We have really hyper-focused the type of organizations we work with in the tech industry and at what stage we'll engage with them because we find that's where we get the most success. The worst thing I can do for our industry is take someone on, promise something, and then just blow it and not deliver. I couldn't agree more with you there. I, I hear it a lot when people ask me for recommendations of PR firms and sort of why I go with different firms and because, and it's always a phrase, I've been burnt before. And it's like, oh God, yeah. you know, but why is that? The relationship sort of didn't start well. We didn't all talk to each other. It's hilarious that communicators often at the start of business um you know, relationships don't communicate well at all. And for good reason, everyone needs money and that sort of stuff. But at the same time, like you've just demonstrated, if you think a little bit longer term and say, I'm not going to be doing that person a service, let alone the industry, then I think people get a sort of sense that like, oh, she's not going to rob me. That's a really interesting sort of like think way of thinking and it feels long term. Um, when you think, you know, of, of massive events that have gone on recently, pandemic, how, has, how do you think that's affected PR? Do you think PR is more or less important now? I can really speak about it in the guise of a few verticals. Um, because we really focus in the tech space, we're in really you know a, a tech boom. We've had no shortage of funding announcements, but we also are seeing different industry trend pieces resonate really well. We had a client, a restaurant tech client, who really um, quickly pivoted when COVID hit and restaurants were shutting down to implement easy to use QR codes. And we've watched that adoption rate skyrocket since COVID. People who didn't understand and thought you needed an app to scan things. My own husband is is the antithesis of me, 
who was like, what, what are these dots people are sending to me? I was like, that's called a QR code. He knows now when he sees them that he can scan them and make something happen. So I always use him as my litmus test of new tech adoption or old tech that's new again um, adoption. But we're seeing stories like that play out really well, future of work, things that we wouldn't typically have seen media attention for really get some interesting play because reporters have completely changed beats. People we were pitching two years ago or maybe were covering COVID exclusively for several months and have now transitioned to something like future of work that wasn't really a, a beat. It might have been talked about incidentally or in tangent with something else, but we're just watching this whole this whole industry change. Um, the idea of disinformation and misinformation, we have an amazing client in that space and the reporters that we've really built strong relationships with have been looking for false narratives around COVID-19, um, more vocal about climate change. Uh, you know, just We're just seeing so much opportunity. That's interesting. I think a lot of what you're sort of like saying at the moment echoes the word resource, doesn't it? Speaking to yes. someone who writes for multiple places as well, and I know you've done um, writing in your time and that sort of thing, that, that for me is key, is having the, the go-to people that I know, A, will get back to me and B, know what they're talking about. Because there are a lot of people out there who sort of say, I'm an expert in X, Y, and Z, which means they've read a book on something. Not necessarily they've written the book, they've read the book, um, which is fine. You might have more knowledge, you know, in certain areas and that sort of thing. But I think it sort of comes down to um, trust as well, doesn't it? And I think it's key in the PR industry from individual sort of PR folks to journalists, all to do with integrity. Um, yet when you look at reports, both are going down, according to um, data from Matt Edelman. Why do you think yeah. trust in the PR industry is going down? I, mean, I think for the same reasons I said why there are opportunity and things are going well, the exact opposite can be said. Um, if you look uh, not to throw big agencies under the bus by any means, but when you're working with really large clients who may be putting out intentional false narratives um, or things that could be harmful in regards to creating confusion or rumors, uh, things that could impact political change, for example. If we know political change, let's just use climate change as an example. Um, creating false information online could result in political action not being taken, which could impact climate change efforts um, at a very high level, which I think is some of that Edelman barometer, um, what they're looking at at, at at a larger level. I think that could be an example of it. I think it's really easy for people to jump in and say, I do PR, uh, but they don't really look at it as a craft or practice. Not to be, uh, not to associate myself on the same level as a physician or lawyer, but we all practice. So we're all learning. Um, but we take our craft very seriously. And when we have to learn something new, we want to become experts in it to find the best answer because our clients rely on us for that. No, definitely. I, I think you're right saying it is a craft. Um, I don't know whether I would feel differently if I had never been in PR and that sort of thing. But from my, my experience, I'm biased. I do think it is a craft. I have seen people... Um, articulate in a way that has changed a narrative you know um, which is definitely mm -hmm. one thing and I've seen them employ a strategy that has really shifted the needle on how people talk about large technology platforms and that sort of stuff so definitely I, I take your point on that I think it's um I think it's really important to sort of have a good strategy behind it but also give it more respect it's not the be all and end all you know the word would go on without pr but um it is important and I think it can change a lot of things like you said certainly climate change let's hope um 
fixing it all, um, how do you think we um, stop trust being eroded and increase trust, not just in PR, but in, ge in general? You know, that that um, question, if you could wave a magic wand and, you know, change something, I always think, believe and work towards reaching as many PR people as I possibly can. It's something I've done for years online, sharing our methodologies, how we work. I don't treat our the way Sevitz works as any sort of industry secret. And the more folks that we bring on and contract, I train them in our ways and, and hope that they can go forth and do good in the world. Um, I think it's something I could do even more of with helping to change the way PR is done and how comms is done. Um, obviously, the human side is really important. But when I say we have these almost tactical ways of executing everything down from if you think about lack of comms as being one of the number one reasons why people divorce their PR firms, we don't necessarily have to feel motivated to communicate every week. We just have the ways in which we communicate. So it's guaranteed our clients are getting communicated to daily and weekly because of our processes. Um, nothing is left to chance in that way. Everything from when a media inquiry comes in, whether it's reactive or proactive, the list of executable tactics that take place from that moment on. Um, everything is thought out in that way so that we are treating the journalists with the utmost respect. We're not violating um, any trust there that we're also protecting our clients in some way so that way we know whether to say yes or no to a media op and then working them through that process. So it's a very intricate dance between several different stakeholders. Definitely. And I want to talk more about stakeholders um, a little bit later. Um, apart from trust, what do you think are the key challenges at the moment when it comes to PR? Oh, so many, Paul. Uh, I, I think the value prop, the value communication, how measurement is being communicated outside of just the media relations side of things. Um, everything from return on awareness uh, to um, key message resonation, um, and depending on what part of PR you work in, you have your own host of problems, but making it be perceived as not a soft industry. Um, I think uh, also skill set development across the industry. Um, things have changed because of digital PR. Many times, even in journalism and PR courses in college, you're experiencing much of the same content or or training because our tools definitely overlap so i think that's something that can be done better um and i think daily it's just working to fix the one-off moments of people who are completely disenfranchised because of negative experiences mm. oh speaking of negative experiences that leads me nicely onto something um shows like flack uh dirt show a really gritty side to pr often celebrity based you know that's the thing whereas shows like um the newsroom or west wing uh show a, a more sort of principled side um mm -hmm. prs are often depicted as these hollywood-esque agent type personas often who have a lot of power and i often find if in celebrity world yes because you can stop the access to something that's very desired but most people aren't actually like that prs aren't held in such high regard i've found um but they're always portrayed as uh like soul crushingly brutal people like really shallow and that sort of thing um who who do terrible things to make sure their clients their clients get in ink or stay out of print and that sort of thing D does pr have a hollywood image problem like why do you think that stereotype remains well it's really easy to sens sensationalize what we do because of how pr used to be done um, i think there are really good people at the helm of really 
big organizations now that can change that. They don't look at themselves as just a gatekeeper between media and their target interview or source or, or, or company. Um, they are, it's more fluid than it once was. Um, and I've watched, you know, all of the shows and watched things and I was like, that's completely unrealistic. As I'm sure people do who are um, nurses who watch shows and they show nursing moments. Uh, I think, I just remember being a young professional and watching West Wing and it really inspired me to do the right thing. And as I grew my own company, I've noticed how intentional we are about the clients we bring on. Many of them, while obviously they are not nonprofit and they're looking to make money, they are mission focused. And we come back to that mission or purpose statement whenever we're doing anything like, does this support that? Does this drive this? Especially working in the startup world, uh, usually series A and beyond, people are still very vested in that and the energy is very strong. So I think even a small group of people can change the way it's been perceived in, in the media. Yeah, no, I, I, I think there's a job to do there. But if everybody works together, or at least more, more people than are now, I think it's got a chance for sure. Um, I think there's a lot to do with power in PR. It's power to drive traffic and the authority of like the voice or endorsement of being covered you know, in generally in, in the sort of media, but the landscape has changed, right? So you've now got influencers, you've got social media, you've got highly followed people. Where are we right now? Is TV still king or are clients getting that online outlets can sometimes be more influential than, you know, a print piece? It just depends. I've seen a shift back to people really wanted, wanting this earned and organic press. Um, getting TV is still very coveted but what happens once you get the tv placement is much different so while you might be on uh, coindesk tv or maybe you're on uh, cbs news once that runs people are taking that content and repurposing it in so many different ways to leverage a source of credibility either an as seen on uh, maybe it's used as part of social ads targeting other journalists or key audiences to show that you have already been sourced or quoted in the media. Um, so TV is very powerful. People are also jumping on really new trends, whether that's something in blockchain or NFTs. And if you look at advertising, let's say you wanted to advertise, you know, in a traditional maybe um, NBA game that could be hundreds of thousands of dollars. I was just talking to a new startup this week who's democratized the way you can purchase built digital billboard space for dollars at a time, including uh, in Times Square in New York City. So we're just, there's a huge shift right now. Crikey, yeah, that sounds a, an interesting one for sure. Um, you mentioned ROI earlier. The ad rate mm. equivalent, equivalency comparison um, has thankfully died a death. Um, yeah. But how does, P and you mentioned no one's cracked it yet, but how does PR show its worth to clients these days? So we show it a few different ways on our end. Uh, one of the tools that I really like because they help me visual, visually communicate best across multiple stakeholders is Coverage Book. It's not um, a platform that does the listening for you and pulls links. It's something you do manually. But I like the way it shows media coverage and helps us report that. Um, for other clients, we're much more intricate and in-depth in our reporting. Um, we'll look at things like either developing our key messages for each quarter, things that we want to resonate and see how they play out in the media, 
or if it's our first time working with a company and they don't have a grasp on their key messages, we'll track key messages that have been used, what narratives are really resonating, what types of pitches are reaching reporters and, and diving in the diving in for interest, um, and then look at our reach across that. We'll also strategically tier out media and show, uh, let's say we have a company that wants to reach you know, mid-tier decision makers in vertical X, Y, or Z, uh, maybe it's aeronautics space. We have to hyper-target the media, the influencers, and the outlets we're going after. And if we're reaching decision makers, that becomes much uh, more valuable to them than if we did maybe just a, a generic tier one business publication. How important is guest posting these days? I get so many emails per week saying, we'd love to post on hereforth.com. Like, how much is it? You know, and that's the thing. Or, or we can get you on, um, I don't know, huffpo.com or whatever it is, you know, for X amount. Obviously, Google is is in charge of SEO and that sort of stuff. They're very important. How, um, how, how good are guest post strategies these days? So that's the one part of PR. There are people who solely focus on SEO-based PR, where you're not necessarily interested in the organic or earned audiences you're trying to reach, but you're really interested in people finding you when they're searching for your industry. So that's another way or another tactic that you might include in a strategy and is important for some organiz organizations, especially startups who really don't have any search visibility. But for many people, people aren't even searching for them yet. So they have to be in a place where they're able to get some media attention. Um, thought leadership might be more appropriate for what we do um, versus the SEO style PR, meaning somebody might have a, a, a great announcement. For example, maybe they're partnering with a local government to do some sort of digital transformation tech. And it's not something that's going to reach national press, but it's something that the CEO could write a guest post at in a trade publication to showcase their best practices and talk about what they're doing. So it still hits that SEO box, but it also is giving them credibility through a trusted trade publication and allowing them to share their story their way. Mm -hmm. um, larger agencies, obviously still around, uh, have a role to play. Um, how do you see the role evolve for the large agencies evolving in the next five years? I think a lot of them are going to be focused on industry, launching new industry standards. Um, by that, what I mean is if you look at Weber Shandwick, they've done something really interesting and launched a media security center. Now, monitoring disinformation, uh, misinformation, and those types of things haven't really ever had a home or a name within organizations. Cyber attacks and cybersecurity are now pretty mainstream. People know what that is and, and what those folks do, but organizations are being attacked in more places than just their their front end or, or back end. People are attacking them through false narratives. And we had talked about that towards the top of the hour. Um, and now it's being dubbed media security. So think cybersecurity for all of the, you know, hacking and, and the technical side, media security for the comms side of what we all do. Um, and that's planning for both known and unknown threats. And when you get into a strategic communications role, which our team does work in quite frequently, 
it can get quite complicated. Um, and especially when you don't know what to monitor for, looking for new narratives that people are using to attack in an organization because it can really impact bottom line. It, could, it can go after employee morale. Um, it could be overall sales. It could in, impact your stock price. Um, so that's where I think big agencies are really going to be looking at, is partnering with um, tech organizations that can fulfill some of the things they don't offer in-house to package things like media security together that are much needed. Yeah, I definitely think their role is going to change over the next five years. Mm -hmm. um, what's your thoughts on training? It's often a core issue in the PR world. Most practitioners don't usually, as you did, come through a PR course. Many uh, quote unquote finger wiggles fall into it. Um, how can you make or how can we make um, a career in PR more attractive to people? I think just like with educators, we're always learning and always training. Even on our team, we share best practices, everything from how you do task and time management to um, how you're creating pitches for different reporters to the ability to do high-level media strategy. Uh, and, and that's a skill in, in and of itself. Um, I have people who start off as account managers on our team who are extremely interested about PR and by just managing the accounts, they get their first glimpse of it. And then we have myself and other people on the team who can help do training at a national level or a higher tier level. People can look at professional organizations, maybe like a PRSA, where that training uh, is offered. And it also then says to other folks like, hey, I've invested in my profession and follow a certain set of standards that many in my industry have agreed to or support. Yeah, no, I like that. I like that a lot. Um, so the pandemic's uh, disproportionately impacted marginalised and minoritised uh, people and communities. Um, at the same time, inequalities increased um, all across the world, not just Western nations. Um, to build back better, uh, to use a phrase, how can PR and PR professionals use their skills, um, thinking around corporate social responsibility, um, work with empowering uh, and sort of first to challenge the latter, I would say? Let me start maybe, uh, that's, it's such a big question and start at, at a micro level. One of the things that I encourage, uh, number one in our hiring practices, personally, we are um, extremely focused on diversity, representation, LBGTQ+. Uh, our team definitely uh, is very intentional and mindful about that. And I, I hope that, that at a micro level, everyone is looking at things that way. The other thing that I encourage every professional that I touch or reach when I've done professional speaking um, and in those moments, I always end with this concept of who is your plus one. If you're someone that is very represented, you have an easy time getting in front of others, who can you bring to the table that looks different than you, has a different viewpoint, um, doesn't traditionally get their voice heard, and get them a spot to at least start the change and make things happen. At a CSR level, on a very large scale level, uh, PR is paramount in helping to make that change, especially at a C-suite level, making sure organizations aren't just putting out the message that they are are um, intentional about CSR or diversity, but that it's actually being lived internal to the organizations, maybe from an internal comms perspective. But it really matters the, the humans that are in these leadership positions to make the change and then make these things sustainable over time so they don't get forgotten. 
Yeah, I definitely think that's an important one to sort of do. I, I, de I need to do more of it myself. I, I try and sort of push people and sort of new voices with TBD. It's hard often booking them because they're not confident or they of don't course. feel confident and that sort of stuff. So half of it is sort of bolstering people as well, I think. Um, mm -hmm. but yeah. um, actually, let's, let's stay with that for a second. You work with um, a slew of amazing clients, but you also give a lot back to the community. I've noticed you do more than one space of your own. Um, you have your regular spaces and that. Why did you decide to do that? I feel like a lot of the PR community is still very much like keep your cards close to your chest, don't sort of share too much. But you're almost the complete opposite of most PR people I've met. You're really open, you're out there, you're pushing the boundaries um, of really what it means to be a practitioner. Why did you decide the open route and how, how can you be even better and how can you help other people be more open as well? Well, I definitely don't have it all figured out. Um, I've, I've been this way since I started my career. Part of it is just who I am as a person. I always thought, you know, if I don't have anything to hide and I always focus on building relationships and no matter what career I choose, I keep those two things, you know, um, as, as just part of who I am, it will resonate. And I noticed that very early on how private and closed off PR people were about sharing media contacts or sharing best practices or tips. It's almost like your ability to do one thing became your job collateral. And I thought, well, that's silly. If I do great work, if I'm a, a great writer, if I'm excellent or exceptional at communicating like I will always have a job if I find what I'm really great at I will have a job and I just took that and social gave me an opportunity to amplify that and because I noticed the more I share the more business we get I guess there's some bottom line correlation there I thought I'm going to keep doing this so why not help others we donate several hours per month to startups who can't afford a PR budget yet just to meet with founders to help them understand some of the important um, milestones, opportunities, maybe work with them on some key messaging. Uh, we meet with students and faculty, do training, um, recorded presentations for different collegiate level courses to help those students in whatever way we can. When a student reaches out and wants, has questions, commentary, wants to do an interview, I try to say yes 99.9% .9 of the time if I can. Uh, and the other thing is, you know, raising my own many humans to to carry on good traditions <laughs> gotta, gotta love those many humans um okay let's talk about the future of pr um as a writer myself for several outlets and i'm a journalist because i didn't study it but i say i'm a writer um i can imagine what full-time writers go through on a daily basis um okay. it, it varies around the world um but currently there's one journalist for every six pr folks out there and i actually suspect that's probably gone up during the pandemic um my inbox can attest it feels like a battle and often very one-sided um with that sort of like numbers and that sort of disparity how should comms practitioners and pr folks alter their behavior well i think you nailed it alter your behavior if it's not working it has to change and it's really scary when your livelihood or bottom line depends on your clients because they're paying you but they are paying you because they are experts and taking the time to learn about the journalist, the writer, the influencer, the contributor, the editor, the producer that you want to reach out to is worth its weight in gold. Uh, if you can participate in places where they're already at, like Twitter spaces, or you're reading their content, you're sharing it, you're responding to them and saying, great article before you ever pitch them. If you treat them like the humans that they are, it starts to resonate. And uh, I mean, I've been very lucky in my career, I used to joke that Twitter 
helped me do 10 to 12 years of networking in, in about a year and a half. Uh, the, these tools didn't exist when I first graduated from school. So when I started my career in PR, I remember trying to get hired in a PR agency and they said, list all of your media contacts on this piece of paper. And I was like, Ooh, well, you know, I've got some local people. Um, and, and at that time, I remember that was the time where I was like, well, I, I need to meet more media as I started joining clubs and doing things because I wanted to build those relationships, whatever portion of PR you work in, it's all going to be about relationships at some point. So maybe it's having great relationships with your C-suite um, if you work in a corporation uh, or uh, all of the clients across your agency. If you start to put those things first, I think it will help, I don't know, change the future, but it, w it will change behavior. I, I hope so. That's for sure. Um, right. Um, let's talk about influencers for a second. You're an influencer. You have over 100,000 people. I think that makes you influential. You, you get people to do things. Many call me an influencer, which I dislike intensely because uh, I don't think I have that <laughs> for anyone. Um, I find that world extremely grubby and sort of hazardous to health for many. Um, am I being unfair or do you think it's got a really important role in PR? No, it's it's it has never been so in my face than when I became a parent. And one of the things I typically look at in the influencer space is, um, are these people aspirational or are they inspirational? And that difference, that is the thing that makes the biggest difference for me. I find a lot of aspirational content and maybe you put more of the, the Instagram, TikTok or visual influencer in that category can tend to make me feel very bad about myself. Like I don't have enough. I'm not enough. I'm not pretty enough. I don't make enough. Those sorts of feelings versus the inspirational or educational influencer people, influencer, people who are arming me with something I can use to do better, work better, the theme of mouthwash, be better. Um, and, and that makes, I don't know, that makes a big difference. I was going to just anecdotally talk about for years, I've had all of these followers on Twitter, and I'm so thankful for the network and everything that I've done there. And then about a year ago, started using Public, which is a social investing app. I had never really done my own investing. I was just super interested um, in learning about investing. And then I thought investing itself is just such a big category. I'm going to go all in on tech because that's my day job, too. I have to follow what's happening in the world for funding and general news and, and headlines. And I started using the app and posting and sharing what I was learning and um, grew an even larger network than Twitter over there. Uh, and then it started where most of my posts became the top trending posts across the app. And then I landed a licensing deal for a live audio show, a weekly show called Tech Check. I'm now interviewing many of the journalists that I've pitched for years and building a new rapport with them by flipping the tables um, and getting to interview them. So if, if I had to be deemed an influencer, I love that as a case study because it shows some results, something's happening, and uh, it's not just me touting any products or services. Yeah, I think it's that lot, those last two things that you just said, like touting businesses and services. It's like if they're part of you and they make sense for you, you don't need to be paid for them. In my, my opinion and that sort of stuff. And I know there is a school of thought out there that everybody thinks that every waking moment or everything they say should be monetized. I am not that person. I don't think that that's the truth. But I'm interested to see how that sort of works for the future of PR because I hear a lot of people saying, oh, we wouldn't want it there before we've given it to them. And I'm like, oh, that's really interesting how the sort of like the power dynamic of, uh, of press is sort of shifting. Mm -hmm. um, but I, you know, again, people have to sell things, I guess. And maybe they're the ones that, 
sell it quicker who knows um what do you think are your top tips for practitioners who are just starting out in pr uh the same tips are probably the same tips I would have shared pre-digital age. Um, number one, one of my favorite tips is look for five people who have what you would consider your future dream job. Reach out to them, get to know them, do an informational interview. You have no better opportunity than when you're a new practitioner or a student to get FaceTime with people that you may not get otherwise. Um, remember that when you find what you are great at, the rest begins to fall into place. PR is such a broad profession that it's okay to um, become a specialist versus a general generalist and hone in on your best talents and grow them. Um, what else? And keep learning. Uh, the industry is completely different. Paul, I was like you when I first started, I was faxing press releases to a reporter list. I mean, new practitioners would be like, that's where they say, oh, you're old. But that's how it started. I, I was blown away because I had never used a fax machine when I was 21. But anyway, another another time for another story when I've got a glass in my hand and I'm in Vegas. But anyway. Um, all right, that's a, good, that's a good place to pause it for now. So um, it's time for Sarah's Desert Island Tweets, the part of mouthwash where the guest picks a tweet or two that's changed their mind or way of thinking in some way. Uh, please turn your attention to the nest and I am going to post up a tweet from the McLuhan Institute. It reads, since new media are the new environments that repossess psyche and society in successful ways why not bypass instruction in fragmented subjects meant for fragmented sections of the society and reprogram the environment itself was marshall McLuhan in notes on boroughs in 1964 sarah apart from my vivid <laughs> quote why did you pick this well i really i i've had this one favorited for a while because i like well number one i liked it because it's one of those what's old is new again and it's something that's really relevant in 1964 they were talking about new media obviously in a much different context um, and talking about how that's impacting people's psyche and society and i was like okay this is really relevant relevant because that's what's happening now you see babies going up and touching tvs to see if you know they can move things because they're so used to seeing um responsive screens uh, and and the kind of call to action about why not bypass instruction and and reprogram the environment itself? Um, are we in a time of reprogramming where we have to learn uh, new best practices, new ways to live, work, and play? And if that's true, you know what's going to happen to PR? Um, it, these are just you know the the questions that keep me up at night, the kind of existential questions about the industry. Um, but being mindful of that and watching what's happening in our society to understand when new things are needed, when you have to pivot, when you have to switch, when you have to um, take chances and risks again, because society is changing and what you did before just isn't working anymore. Oh, I love that. Picks the theme of the, uh, the uh, series to a T. Um, good sentiment <laughs> and place to leave the conversation on for tonight. Thank you for being part of Mouthwash, Sarah. Any final thoughts or advice for the listeners? No, thank you. You guys, please support Paul. Um, share his stuff. Talk about Mouthwash. Listen to the other attendees. You've, you've done an exceptional job. and I know you put um, your heart and time into this, so I'm, I'm really thankful to be part of it.
Oh, thank you. Appreciate that. Um, I've got an amazing cohort of people uh, this season on Mouthwash. Google Xers, security experts, entrepreneurs, designers, speechwriters, best-selling authors, big tech, Silicon Valley startups to Walmart. It's, uh, if it's important to being a better person, business or planet, we're going to be talking about it. Up next week include Bloomberg's Parmi Olsen, New York Times best-selling author Duff McDonald and Anna Gannon Sheckman from Walmart, amongst others. Sounds like you might need a text reminder for when Mouthwash is going live. Say no more. We've uh, worked with the guys at Norby and if you go to mouthwashshow.com you'll be able to get them to sign up uh, and send you an SMS so you never forget anything. Trust me, you don't want to miss an episode. There are some amazing people still to come. Once again, uh, thanks for the amazing uh, Sarah Evans. Uh, follow her on Twitter. Make sure you're uh, you know, recommending her for anyone who wants PR and that sort of stuff. Please show your appreciation one more time with a shower of emoji for Sarah as the lo-fi music plays us out. Thank you for joining. Thanks to Ecology for planting a tree and every one of you. Uh, thanks to Space Dashboard as well for helping good audio be found. I've been Paul Armstrong. This has been Mouthwash, a fresh chat that leaves you more confident only on Twitter Spaces.